Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here for the Blue Note podcast. Mike here. And uh, welcome. One stop shop. For all things St. Louis Blues, episode number 10. That's right. It's the Braden Shen episode. I don't know if you can be able to go with many other players other than Shen here at this point. Yeah, definitely a good number 10. Um, say what you will about the postseason performance from, from this one, but I mean, what can you do? He scored a goal in game seven of the cup final in 19, if that counts for anything, which I think mm-hmm. it does. Uh, kind of the goal that put it away, made it three nothing. But um, before we get into it today, previewing kind of the off season, discussing uh, what the blues could look to do this summer. A few other things and we got something else coming later this week as well on top of episode 10 here today. Uh, but uh, we want to thank the listeners remind to hit that subscribe button. There's a plus uh, button next to a lot of the, uh, the platforms and, and the description of the podcast. You'll see a little plus you hit that and it'll do whatever it needs to do. Um, but you won't miss a single episode. Give us a five-star rating. If you enjoy, if you don't, I guess don't give us a rating, but, but if you want to, and be honest, that's fine, I guess, uh, not, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, it's a free country, right? Uh, leave us a comment, get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN pod. You can follow us there and share the podcast on social media. So uh, other blues and Thunderbirds fans, the AHL squad, of course, can find us. And uh, yeah, we're recording this before game seven, the Thunderbirds playing the Laval rocket tonight, Eastern conference finals, the American hockey league, uh, game seven that'll be a big one had a chance to clinch during game six fell short of that but uh, they'll be playing tonight uh, Wednesday night for a chance to get to the Calder Cup final so we'll find out and uh, let's throw it over to you here because tonight's game one of the Stanley Cup final the Colorado Avalanche who by the way the Blues the only team to beat still in this postseason and the Tampa Bay Lightning game one in Colorado uh, who do you like it's hard not to be able to like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I've got to go here with the Colorado Avalanche here at this point. I just, you just got to, this team is so deep. They're just rolling here right now. And I've, I've got to be able to hear, just roll with the abs. There's a definite chance that me picking against the Lightning for the fourth time this, this postseason. So every round is stupid, but I'm doing it again. I think the abs set the tone win tonight. I think they win game in, in I think they win in six. Um, so We'll see. A very interesting cup final, though, ahead. Uh, let's start this off here. Let's go around the uh, Central Division real quick. A couple moves of note that uh, were made by a couple other teams in the Central. So I'll toss it over to you to discuss that. A couple small ones here. Dallas, they signed uh, Frederick Karlstrom and Nicholas Camano to a one-year, two-way contract. Um, just some small depth signings here at this point. They also traded local boy Ben Bishop's contracts to the Sabres for a 2022 seventh-round pick. He's just the next player to have his uh, contract here just sent over as the uh, move for cap space, as cap space becomes a valuable commodity here. Nashville also re-signed defenseman Jeremy Lazon to a four-year contract worth $2 million here annually. And the Winnipeg Brewery is attempting to sway coach Barry Trotz with free beer for life if he accepts a coaching position here. Um, say what you want here about the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg native, but man, 
free beer for life. You know, if deal. you are a drinker, that's that's a good deal. And I'm I'm sure Trotz is. He kind of looks like that. Um, I'm not. You know, he, he looks like he probably is one of those. But uh, that would be a great hiring. I think everybody knows how good of a coach Barry Trotz is. And I personally don't want to see him come to the Central Division. But as other jobs get filled, it certainly seems like that's going to happen. Uh, whether it's you know you look at um, Tortorella likely going to Philly, you look at Cassidy going to um, uh, Vegas, and it certainly looks like Jim Montgomery is probably going to get hired by somebody, probably Boston. I think Boston will be the team that that hires him, um, and we'll see. Because you look you look elsewhere in the division. I mean, the Lausanne deal is to me. And this is just me in terms of the Lausanne deal, how I feel. I think a lot of people feel this way as well. The Jeremy Lausanne deal is horrendous. Like four years for a guy who's not good. He was not good last year at all. Maybe, you know, leaving Boston was tough because he kind of fit in there and they have a bit of a better structure than, than Seattle did and, and even Nashville, I guess, last season. But a four-year deal for him is horrible to me. And you hate to see it. dollars annually, though. It's low. That's, but like, that's not bad four year the the term there is ridiculous like that's yeah. just like he's yeah. not good that's the problem and if you have six guys in front of him you're going to be having two million just sitting there and with the current state of the salary cap you don't really want to have more than like a million sitting there for nothing you know and and that's kind of the way that i that i view that um in terms of the other moves nothing real notable here the bishop thing is like unfortunately his career is over um, it sucks. He was really, really good. Obviously, St. Louis, and of course, but uh, a smart move by Dallas to get that off the books, and uh, a couple of depth signings as well by them. And we'll see uh, what else happens out of the Central because you still got Chicago hiring a coach, Winnipeg's going to hire a coach. Um, you still have other situations. What's Winnipeg going to do with their team? Arizona, we know is terrible, but they could still, you know, make some big headlines this summer. And uh, yeah, Minnesota is another team that's kind of cap strapped. We're going to see how Bill Guerin dances around all of that. So there's a lot that that's going to happen in the, in the central this summer. We'll talk about it all as we go. Uh, let's get into a couple of preseason notes for the blues in this preseason. And it's already happening with preseason notes. So what do you got? Yeah, I can't, I can't believe the fact that we're already getting preseason notes here, which is absolutely fantastic. But um, some news here, the Blues are headed back to Kansas City. They're going to be playing at the Cable Dahmer Arena, home of the Kansas City Mavericks here on October 1st in a preseason game here against the Dallas Stars. It's going to be um, the second, second consecutive year that they're going to be playing there in front of a seating capacity here of nearly about 6,000 um, after hosting Chicago last season. So um, last year they sold out the game here in about six hours and they're expecting to have a similar type of sale here this year. So um, it's great. If you get a chance to be able to go, um, you know, anybody listening that wants to provide us tickets, we would love to attend um, as all proceeds here also will help go to help fund the Kansas city groups mission to grow the game in the Kansas city Metro area. So if you get the chance to, be able to go, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, then it was also announced here earlier today that the blues will also be playing the Arizona coyotes in a preseason game on September 24th at Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas. So what do you think here of like these non-traditional preseason games here just really fast? Well, I think it's something that's kind of, you know, all in good fun, right? I think it's something that's kind of interesting to, to look forward to. I think preseason games on your own in your own arena is kind of boring, to be honest. Um, 
they're fun. Be able to bring the kids out too, you yeah, know, especially if yeah. you're at a cheaper game. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think that like, you know, having them in certain areas, as long as the ice is good and yeah. it's a it's a tenable arena, I think that's fun, especially for an area that doesn't have hockey in the NHL. Exactly. And I think there's an argument to make that Kansas City would be much better than Arizona, but whatever. I also think the Kansas City's probably what if you're ever if you if they had another expansion team, which won't happen forever, or a relocation, I think Kansas City's yeah. probably what fourth or fifth in the list. I would think behind Houston and and Quebec probably. Yeah. Kansas City, I think you can really make a big argument for the fact that they could they could easily, I think, be able to get a team here. Look at their success and, in other sports too. Like yeah. the Chiefs are a big NFL franchise. The Royals have had some success in Major League Baseball. They have a great stadium. I think that's a big part of their appeal, but um, they've had success in other sports, no doubt. And and it's a good sports city. I think it's it's not – I don't know if I'd compare it to St. Louis in terms of two teams, but the big thing for the for the Chiefs in Kansas City is is kind of the, the selling point and uh, what they've been recently and the success. So I think Kansas City is a very good sports town. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I love them being able to go to different markets. You know, like you said, ones that don't necessarily have a hockey team um, or even like a professional hockey team here at that, you know, help be able to grow the game. If a, if a team could go, say, one game of their preseason to a non-NHL market, I mean, just think of what that could do to potentially help grow the game. You know, I, I would love the fact that they could go and do an international series, you know, take them to like Finland or Germany here or the Czech Republic or something. You know, yeah, that's all great fun. But keep growing the game here on the same continent here, at least. You know, is there a way for them to be able to go into like Mexico? Boy, that'd be cool. You know, be able to do other games here in Canada, that'd be fun. But, you know, there's so many different places that's just right here in the States that they could do that would just be just fantastic. So I, I love the fact that they're doing this. I agree, 100%. Um, let's do the off-season outlook in some forms. We'll have other stuff uh, this off-season covering this type of stuff, but we'll start yeah. with a few housekeeping notes that you have here and uh, some things to think about entering the off-season. Absolutely. So Jeremy Rutherford over at The Athletic, he did a fantastic job at breaking down the Blues cap situation for this offseason. So factoring in some of his work, along with some information here over at Cap Friendly, um, the salary cap next season will increase by $1 million to $82.5 million. However, the Blues will actually have about $1.1 million in bonus overage from the 21-22 season, which I believe mostly is from the Tyler Bozak bonus, if I'm if I'm correct here on that, um, which was from the number of games here that that he played during the season that initially kicked in that bonus for him. So, which is ridiculous, by the way. Well, you know, they weren't necessarily planning on him playing that many games, injuries, COVID, you know, all those different things. So, you know, I do appreciate but, that we had a veteran like Bozak that was still on the team. Um, and the fact that he got his his structure, you know, that's great. I think that the NHL needs to do something a little bit more in bonus overages and penalties here going into, into the following season. But you know, we'll see. I don't so, see I don't see a ton of scenarios where teams should be penalized yeah. in that way. Like I think yeah. the LTIR thing is is within the rules for the most part. Yeah. But it's a bigger issue than this. Like it, that's that's kind of stupid, especially with the way that the cap is now. I think there's a lot of teams getting penalized for this. I think there's multiple mm -hmm. teams. So mm -hmm. the fact that we're gonna have a lot of teams with less 
less salary cap space than they should have is is a little bit absurd to me, but I guess that's just the NHL at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one thing to have, like you said, the LTIR for a team, you know, like Minnesota. You know, they're the ones who are going to have like the least amount of cap space, and that's simply just because of, you know, guys that they bought out or, or anything else. You know, that would be certainly understandable, but to have bonus overages just simply due to clauses, you know, that kicked in for performances or something. I don't know, you know, and, and I don't have a solution for it here at this point, you know, but I, I guess you have to be able to choose to do something. So, um, so the blues, according to cap friendly, they currently have 18 players under contract here next season with a combined cap hit of $72.4 million. So with that $1.1 million bonus overage, that brings them up to 73.5, leaving them with about $9 million to fill out their roster. So while that's something to remember, you also cannot forget about those two-way contracts. Alexei Torbchenko, who is pretty much a foregone conclusion that he is going to make the team here next year, and a guy like Nathan Walker, both of those guys are on two-way contracts. Again, Torpchenko is expected to be able to make the roster. He's going to be making $750,000, which is currently accounted for in the cap. Walker may or may not make the roster. He's also making seven fifty, dollars and you know, we'll discuss here about those extra forwards here at this point. Um, the Blues forwards, they've got nine guys on one-way contracts. You know, They're all your top-end guys here at this point plus a guy like Logan Brown, you know, so let's just assume here that Torpchenko is going to take that number 10 spot. Walker then is someone who, or somebody else at the league minimum, he would take spot number 11. Then your 12th forward could be somebody in the neighborhood of like, well, Jake neighbors. He's going to be making here at about 860,000 and change for the start. And that was the guy then that starts eating away at that available salary cap space. So the Blues have some options, but they don't have that many options when it comes to salary cap space and available roster spots for some of these guys. And that's why, that's why, like, we'll talk about the defense in a minute, but like the Scandella deal can't be on the books next season if they want to fix the defense or try to make it better. And with the forward group, it's like, how do you view Jake neighbors? Cause as the, forwards are currently constructed he can't play in the top nine right because unless you trade a Barbashev or if right. Tarasenko shockingly gets traded I don't know if I want neighbors here if he's playing on the fourth line like that's not great for his development playing nine nope. minutes a night no nope. uh, so that's a problem there that you have and you also have that same problem with eventually when Bull Duke breaks through which I think will be a couple of years from now mm-hmm. if not sooner um, so that's a big thing you got to worry about too and the other thing is are they going to do to Bull Duke what they did with Neighbors last year and bring him up for nine games? I mean, there's a chance. Like, I didn't think that Neighbors, like Neighbors was very impressive in the preseason. If Bull Duke is the same way, then you probably throw him in there for nine games. And that's just different. You can kind of play him wherever you want. You want to play him for eight, nine minutes a night on the fourth line for nine games. I think that's perfectly fine with me mm-hmm. if it's not overtaking somebody like Torpchenko. But um, so I, I just don't, I, I don't love the idea of having Neighbors playing on the fourth line if he gets here next season. Yeah. And I don't know. And I don't know if you know off the top of your head, if Jake neighbors is AHL eligible at this point, or if he would need to go back to another season in the WHL, 
you know, he, he and the Edmonton oil Kings, they just won the um, their championship here at the WHL. They're going to be playing for the Memorial cup here, this upcoming, um, you know, here just very soon. So, you know, he's, he's, he's already proven that he can play down in the CHL. He's proven he, that he can succeed in the WHL. And so I don't know what more that he needs to do to, to just earn a spot here in the NHL, other than the fact that the Blues just have, they don't have any spots available for him. You know, and, and call that a, a good problem to have, you know, but you also have to be able to consider here about your future with a number of those contracts coming up. And so the Blues are going to have a tough decision to make here with those forwards. So um, do you want to get into the defense here just as of yet? Yeah, I'm trying to do some on-the-spot research here to figure out. No, it's fine. When neighbors can be. So he wasn't he wasn't eligible last season. Uh, junior hockey players that are 18 or 19 must return to their junior clubs if not retained by their NHL team beyond nine games. So they won't have the option to call him up again until his junior season is complete. That's from October. So I guess it depends on when he turns 20. I guess I think that's, that's what it sounds like. He is 20 now, so he could probably play. But I feel like it, I don't know. I he had 45 points in 30 games for the Oil Kings last year. He was plus that injury. Plus yeah, that injury. And, and he was their captain. So yes. um I'd love to see him here next year, but I just don't see a spot for him in the top nine without injuries, which I mean I don't really see Armstrong touching the top nine. Like if he's gonna touch it, it's gonna be Barbashev, I think. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, unless somebody comes to, to Armstrong here with an enticing deal or he gets lumped into a package of some kind. So we'll see um, if we're wrong here on this, you know, somebody feel free to, to, to comment here in um, in the comments section, feel free to, be able to send us a tweet, be able to let us know, you know, that we're, we're dumb and we don't know what we're talking about here as far as yeah. um, a deployment here of Jake neighbors. So, all right, you ready to get into the defense? Let's do it. All right. So, um, the team currently has five of their six defensemen here on one-way contracts for next season, Falk, Krug, Pareko, Scandella, and Robert Bortuzzo. Um, they did, if you remember, just re-sign Callie Rosen a few weeks ago um, to a two-year, $750,000 um, average annual contract here, which, again, is factored into the current cap hit here for the Blues. He could be on the roster here next season. They still have a couple of decisions to be able to make regarding Nico Mikola and Scott Perunovic, both who are becoming RFAs, um, restricted free agents here for those who don't know. Um, and they need to be able to get new contracts here as well. Um, according to The Athletic here again with Jeremy Rutherford, he is saying that Mikola is the only one of the two that has arbitration rights. And if the team is to move forward with Mikola, which I, I do believe could be could very well happen i just again without really wanting to move on here from him just yet or unless somebody comes barging down the doors and you know asking here about miko nicola um he could be able to see a bump in around one to one point million from his seven hundred eighty seven thousand dollar pay here last season perunovic is going to be a little more difficult here with his injuries limiting his time to only 19 games but he had a successful ahl campaign so if you think about it here 
it's it's really really tough to say what Perunovic here is going to end up being able to get, but Rutherford is projecting here about nine hundred thousand dollars. Say it's like a one year deal, nine hundred thousand dollars. You know, I don't think that's bad. Again, figuring out what Mikola has at seven eighty seven. $900,000 for a guy who's only had 19 NHL games. Not bad. I, I think it's very acceptable. I agree. I, th- I think uh, Prunovich is a guy you got to make sure is in the lineup if he's healthy next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I kind of wonder, like, as much as some of these defensemen that they have are in, like Rosen is kind of enticing to throw him in the lineup if you mm-hmm. need him. Mm-hmm. Um I think you got to get a bigger a bigger defenseman that skates a lot better and handles the puck a lot better with Pareko because Scandell is not that. Letty was more of that. So mm-hmm. you got to find something there. We'll talk about wish list later, which is definitely going to include defensemen. But uh, for Mikola, I had a lot of opinions on him. I think uh, he was horrible at the end of the season, if we're being honest. In the playoffs, I think he was solid. I may have been a bit harsh on him if you read our report card series in the hockeywriters.com. Gave him a D plus. I think you got to expect a lot more because he looked last season like he was starting to come around. He was going to be legitimate, maybe top four guy defensively. And he was very bad late in the season. Like I think he was a minus 11 in the final 14 games or something. So that's a well, problem. If you, if you look at it here too, Mikola was a guy who was projected to be able to come in and just simply play a depth role. You know, I don't think that they really expected much from him. And because of those injuries, the same thing like Scandella, he was thrown all over those pairings and just asked to sprint before he was ready to be able to crawl here at this point. So, you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't capable because there was plenty of games that, you know, <laughs> Sidney Crosby knows he's capable <laughs> here yeah. at this point. Yeah. If you remember that that fight here that he that he had with, uh, with Crosby, um, He's a guy that I think could still have top four upside, you know, good physical defenseman, but I just don't think that he's ready just yet to be able to take on that role. And so I think that's where some of his missteps, miscommunication, you know, he's just not ready to take those steps. And it was just unfortunate that the Blues had to go to him so early on and be able to ask him to be able to answer that call just super early in his NHL career. I think that's fair. I just expected more. I think in hindsight, my grade was probably a little too shocking for everybody. Uh, probably not the right grade. I think maybe C would be more fair, but uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I, at the moment and the research I was doing, I felt like I don't think he deserved a good grade, which I still don't think he does, but I think D plus is probably a bit far, but that's all right. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do with him next year. I think ideally he's playing on the third pair with Bortuzzo, but the problem is you have Krug who's undersized. You have Prunovic who's undersized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Prunovich and Pareko, I think, would work if Pareko was better, but he hasn't been. So that's yeah. tough. And I think, I don't know. It's like they have, it's not the, the depth is not the issue in the back end. It's just how they're playing. Like I think Krug and Falk are fine. We know that. I think Bortuzzo is kind of locked in as your third pairing right handed defenseman. And then second and third left handed is where the issue comes in. Mm-hmm. So, and you got to have Prunovich in there unless you're going to trade him, which yeah. I highly doubt happens. So it's a tough question, and it's one that they've had for, I mean, ever since, since Bo Yeah. Since Bo so, Yep. It's a problem. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the depth for the Blues, especially on that back end, isn't, isn't a problem. In my opinion, it's the, it's the talent level within that depth pool. You know, mm-hmm. you've got plenty of guys who can be able to play that third pairing, 
that middle pairing, but you don't have a good player who can be able to jump up and play top pairing minutes here, especially alongside of Colton Pareko. You know, again, if you want to be able to have a bunch of just specialists that are going out there, that's fine, but it's going to end up coming back and be able to bite you in the ass here in the end because you need a, you need a guy who can be able to go out and play 23, 24, 25 plus minutes here every single night on in all situations. And, and also there's a reason the Blues were able to just throw Jake Wallman into that trade for Letty because they have a ton of depth and Wallman yeah. is just like, we can just throw him in there. We don't need him. And let me just tell you this too. Like the final game of the season, game six was an issue on the power play. Their mm-hmm. power play in that game was horrendous. They didn't have Prunovic. They didn't have Krug. And we know Krug was begging to play and wanted to play. I don't see why you don't just, I guess, take Nathan Walker out of the lineup and throw in a seventh defenseman like Krug or Prunovic and use him on the power play. Because 11-7 was working, and the Blues went away from it at the end of the season to end the season. So I think that's kind of something you look back on you could have done differently. But over an entire regular season, you don't, you'd rather have – you know, more well-rounded defensemen than some of mm-hmm. these specialist types. But yeah. Doug Armstrong has clearly emphasized getting better offensively in the back end with Falk, who is kind of known as much more of an offensive defenseman when he was with Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think now he's much more of a two-way guy. Last couple of seasons, he's been elite in both ends for the right. most part. Krug's been an offensive guy, but I think his defense is pretty solid because he's oh, a yeah. veteran and he knows, you know, what Dupreco just – a couple months he was really good this season. And after that, it just wasn't. Um, and then, you know, you just, I don't know, they, they don't have enough well-rounded defensemen and hopefully they can change that, but I think it's going to be tough to do with the current salary cap structure. That's going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this team's going to address it, you know, because accounting here also for, for Jordan Bennington here in goal, the blues have about, let's see, $75.6 million against the cap or just under about $7 million in cap space here at this point, you know, so that's just something for blues fans to be able to remember as they keep going into this off season and just saying what we want, what we need, you know, cause you can be able to say we need, we need, we want, we want here as much as possible. But at the end of the day, the budget's the budget. And, and you just, you have to be able to do what you have to do here at this point. If you are looking to keep things the way that they are, you know, if you're only looking at adding and you're not looking at subtracting, the Blues don't have much room. So at this point, you know, the Blues are going to need a, a backup or a tandem goaltender. So who, who do you think let's, – let's address it here this way. Ethan, like, what do you think that the Blues are going to end up doing here with their backup and tandem goaltender? So I think it's a, a major question because um, I think – we're pretty sure that Villa Uso is gone. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to the 32 thoughts podcast, obviously Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, who are very good at what they do. Yeah. Um, I think Merrick, I think it was Merrick who said the blues think they're fine. If Huso leaves because they really, really like what Joel Hofer is mm-hmm. and Charlie Lindgren has been solid as well. So I think I could very much see a scenario where they start Bennington Lindgren. And then if Lindgren's struggling, you go with Hofer. Because of how good – like, Hofer has been very good mm-hmm. uh, in the AHL this season. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's a big thing that Armstrong likes is, is Hofer. He's still pretty young, but I think that he showed a little bit of something um, when he was up with the Blues last season. So, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if they went out of house for this. 
Okay. See, and the biggest thing that I worry about is, you know, a lot of the fans in the media are saying that the Blues are, you know, again, they're the only team who has, who has beaten the Avalanche here at this point. You know, they're right there to be able to contend. But where would you have been without Billy Husso this season? Where would you have been? And I'm not saying that the Blues need to be able to pony up the dough to be able to, to pay Husso, because I don't think that's happening. But I don't know if Charlie Lindgren is the right option and, and maybe I'm wrong here in that, you know, Charlie Sideburns looked great last season. I, I don't know. You're just gambling, I think, a lot at that goaltending position here on Jordan Bennington and Charlie Lindgren. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think the big thing is you look at some of the, the big teams in, in, the, uh, in the league right now, it's like they usually have a horse number one and like a veteran number two solid and can right. come in. A good example of that is Tampa Bay. They have mm-hmm. Vasilevsky, who's their horse, and they have Brian Elliott behind them. Yeah. Um, so I think that is kind of a model you could look at. Make Bennington your guy, your number one guy playing 60-plus games every season, and then make your number two a veteran. Like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, Braden Holpe, if he's healthy and ready to play again, he's not going to be getting very much in the open market, and he's a good veteran backup that you could throw in there uh, when Bennington doesn't play. So mm-hmm. – I like that model as well. I think having a, an experienced veteran backup who's maybe a little bit older but can still play, uh, kind of like what Boston had with Yaro Halak a few years ago buying Rask. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that would be a good model to look at, but I don't think the Blues are going to go that way. I think they're going to save their cap space and they're going to roll the dice with Lindgren and have Hofer there if they need him, I think is what's going to happen. And I, I don't love it, but I understand it. Right. Yeah, the Blues are going to be – I think if they can move on from Bennington, I think that they would do that simply just because of the $6 million cap hit that he's currently getting. And again, Huso is not coming back. You know, I mean, unless he just simply wants to come back and, and do the blues a big solid and just say, I'm just going to stay here in St. Louis. The athletic has a market value here of $4.1 million for Huso here right now. Evolving hockey has him at nearly $5 million. And it's not crazy to think because Huso is actually already 27 years old. You know, some people think that he's like this 22, 23 year old kid that's coming up. He's 27 years old. Thatcher Demko in Vancouver, he signed a five year, $25 million contract at 26. Linus Allmark in Boston agreed to a four year, $20 million contract at 27. And so $5 million here for Huso is not out of the question, in my opinion. So at that point, you would have. $11 $11 million combined between Jordan Bennington and Billy Huso. And the Blues, as we said, have about $7 million here in cap space. You cannot be able to justify giving $5 million here to your other goaltender when you've got guys like David Perron that need to be able to re-sign here with the Blues. So, yeah, going with somebody here at a lower cap hit like a Joel Hofer or a Charlie Lindgren the latter, I think, is more of a likely option that will happen. Um, that's that's likely what you're going to see here next I'd, season. I'd love to see a team take that risk on Huso because I don't want the Blues to do it. I don't think they will either. Um, and it's it's a big risk because Huso mm. was not very good last season. This season, mm. he was really good. Last season, yeah. not so much. Now, did he find something? You never know. Goaltending such a fickle position. Um, mm. He was good in the playoffs, but not great. I don't yeah. know if I'd say good. I think he was average in the playoffs and let in a couple where you're like, that's not good. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, it makes it makes much more sense for other teams to take that risk. Edmonton is going to be desperate. They need to take a risk. Now, John Gibson possibly being in the market definitely changes things for certain teams that need goaltending, whether mm-hmm. it's Edmonton or Toronto trying to be aggressive. So I wonder if Edmonton or Toronto, if one of them trades for John Gibson, does the other one turn to somebody like Huso on the open market? I could see that happening. Uh, but we'll see what he gets. I think I think 4.1 is about right. I think 4.5 would be the ceiling. I think somebody might be able to get him at like 3.5. But you never know with these things. It's like yeah. sometimes you expect a guy to get 12 a year and he gets like nine and a half. Yeah. So yeah. Just because the market value is, is saying one thing doesn't mean that's what's going to go for. And, and who knows? Does the NHL front offices, do they view the market value the same as, you know, websites do? Probably not. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if especially if the housing market has taught us here anything, just because a house is listed at you know two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars doesn't mean that the house isn't going to sell here for three ten. Yeah, and so a hockey example as well is: uh, Do people think Seth Jones is worth nine point five mil a year last season? Like how how like some of the moves the NHL GMs make seem crazy to the outside, and nine point five yeah. mil a year for Seth Jones, who was coming off of a horrendous season. In Columbus, 9.5 is ridiculous. I think his market value, according to the athletic at that point, was by like seven mil, six mm-hmm. mil at the most. And Stan Bowman decided to uh he didn't lose his job because if he lost his job for very other serious, stupid reasons for him, he's an idiot. I mean, let's just be honest yeah. about it. Uh, I don't want to make any exception for that, no doubt about it. But um, he did yeah. a really bad job there on the way out, and I loved it because it was Chicago. We don't we don't like them. But uh, I just think that the way that the NHL GMs view certain players, like Jack Johnson is still in the league. I know he's successful for Colorado, but like, look at his numbers have been horrendous for years and he's still in the league and he's playing, but I'm not going to question anything Joe Sackick's done recently because I think he's clearly one of the better GMs in the league right now. But anyway, uh, do you want to move on to Perron here? Um, Yeah, let's move on here. So Perron's agent, has come out and he has stated that Perron and and we all know this Perron loves and very clearly wants to stay in St. Louis. Love that Perron and Doug Armstrong here want a reunion. Love that. It's been rumored that the blues have already extended out a contract here to him and that Perron was not happy with it because it was a two year contract way lower than what he was expecting. Again, this is simply just rumor and, and, and whatnot here. So the Blues may need to go three years. You know, he's already 34 years old, but boy, he is aging like fine wine. So if the Blues only have $7 million in cap space, if he commands a price tag, say, higher than what, $5 million? You know, he's currently making four, and there's no way he's going to go below four here at this point. No way. He already did the Blues a solid by giving them $4 million. So if he takes $5 million, are you good with that? If he goes higher, like what, what's your ceiling? Because Evolving Hockey, another contract projection, has him at three years, 6.1 AAV, leaving the Blues less than a million dollars. I think we know they have to make other moves to make the salary cap work. Mm-hmm. I think they will do that. Scandella contract. How many times do I have to say it? It's got to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm probably going to have a meltdown on this podcast because I cannot handle him being on the roster with that salary cap because that's 3.275 mil right there. 
So you are to that. Scandella as how I used to be with Patrick Berglund. Could and, not figure out why the team kept Patrick Berglund, the, the money that they're paying him, the the blocking of prospects, you know, all of Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, not to mention just the defensive player blocking, but the yeah. cap space that he's eating up. Can we get somebody like Ryan O'Reilly in a deal with, with, um, with Scandella? I mean, that'd be cool. Uh, but I think the ceiling for me would be like five and a half. If you make other moves, I want them to stay, but I, you can't overpay, especially when you have this good of a forward group. And I mean, there's, he's been really good. Like we know that, like he had a little bit of a lull early in the season, but he figured it out, still scored 20 plus goals. And I, I would like to see him and O'Reilly finish here, but I, you can't overpay just, because you want to, especially in this salary cap structure and what the Blues have. It's like you don't want to overpay. You really want to keep them. You don't want to have to lose them again. But I think at some point you you call it quits with the negotiations if it's six mil because it just doesn't make sense for the Blues at all, especially it's not like they're in need of a goal scorer. Like they had nine 20 goal scorers last year. He was obviously one of them. But next season, if Perron's gone, you're still going to be relying on Buchnevich is going to score. I think O'Reilly will have a much better scoring season next season, even if Perron's gone. Um, and you're going to see a step forward. I think for Kyrou, I think he's a 30-goal guy next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think you don't go above five and a half. And five and a half, even so, is probably still too high to a lot of people. So, And I, it's, it's all about the age. Like, it, Do you sacrifice term for – for lower cap it, I think you probably do because Pron's a trustworthy guy who's always going to be effective in some way, I think. Yeah. But I do you do four years to get the cap hit to like four and a half or 4.75? You probably do, right? I mean, if you want to keep him that badly. Yeah, I, I definitely think, and, and I would be one that would be willing to give him an additional year, give him a three-year contract. is going to be way too high for me, way too high. You know, if you could be able to give him five mil, I think that's my ceiling, you know, and it's, and it's simply just because of everything else that you need to be able to do everything else. You know, you're already going to be filling out the bottom of your roster here with some entry level contracts or just some, some extremely low league minimum contracts here at this point. If you move out a guy like Scandella, great. You know, like we said, it, 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 accomplishes multiple different things can we hit pause here really fast so you said and i want to circle back to this you said package o'reilly and scandella no i said i said uh because you said berglund right was the guy that you hated so berglund being involved in the o'reilly trade can you involve in scandella in a trade to get somebody of o'reilly's level okay Okay. Okay. That makes so like sense. A chip. I, okay. Okay. I was going to say, hold the phone here. <laughs> I hope other minute. people, I hope other people didn't hear it that way as well. And then turned it off by now, but uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I think O'Reilly's here to stay for a while and that's an extension. Yeah. You probably look at this summer as well. There's a few extension candidates that they're going to, I'm sure sit down with and talk with uh, this summer. And you know, the other thing is, do the blues eventually want to get Matthew Kachuk? Cause given Perron that much term and over 4 million is going to hurt that. Yeah. And that, yeah. you know, it's going to affect whether Tarasenko sticks around or not as well. Yeah. And you have to be able to love 
what what Matthew Kachuk will bring, just as just as a quick aside here, but what it would cost you to acquire him in the cap space because he he's going to command what ten million dollars? Yeah, is is that worth it? It's probably never going to happen, but we can dream for the rest of time. Maybe we can really convince them. Let's let's actually let's get a note here on the Cardinals' end. Let's let Calgary extend him out, and then let's send them just a bag of pucks and just repeat what we can do here in the Nolan Arenado trade and just replicate that with Matthew Kachuk. And let's have Calgary pay us to take on Matthew Kachuk here. I don't know what kind of voodoo that you need to do to make that happen, but let's just mirror the Cardinals and Nolan Arenado in that deal and just mirror that on over to Matthew Kachuk in the Calgary Flames. I think the only way that that would happen is if somehow magically uh, Chuck Fletcher of the Philadelphia Flyers ended up as the GM of the Flames. I think that's the <laughs> only way that could happen. I think that's yeah. about what, it. What kind, of, what kind of blackmail do you need to have on the Calgary Flames and all of their staff or something? Like what kind of pictures, video, you know, what kind of thing do you need to have in order to make a deal like that happen? So – um, so one last thing here on the David Perron front, and this is just an interesting thing. Would you move on from Tarasenko if that meant making cap space for multiple pieces or a guy like David Perron? I think the only thing that like if Tarasenko, if you don't plan on extending him or trying your best to re-sign him next year, I think you do talk about moving him. Um, but I think if he doesn't factor into your long-term plans, then yeah, you got to look at trading him. But if he does, mm-hmm. then I don't think you do. Yeah. And I think it just depends on if Tarasenko reiterates to the blues that he wants to be dealt or he wants to stay because as much as fans, you know, it it's, wasn't that long ago here. We're coming up here on about a year, a year ago to the date that Tarasenko requested a trade. Mm-hmm. So, and he's reiterated time and time again during every single interview that he's done that he loves the city of St. Louis. He loves the fans. But is it the team? Is it the organization? Is like, you know, what is it that he would want to be able to move on from? Because to me, everything that he's doing that he's saying that is is that he wants to be a blue. He wants to stay here in St. Louis. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here on the, on the Tarasenko front. I think he stays, but I'm not hundred percent sure of that yet. Like yeah. 80 percent. I'll stick it at eighty percent. We'll see how the how the off season goes. All right, let's finish it up here with the uh, off season wish list. Free agency starts on a date that I don't even know. So there you go. This is professional podcasting because it's like the schedule is all messed up. Yeah, I think it's um, July twelfth. That sounds right. Uh, July thirteenth is what I'm reading. Sorry, it's, it's all the same thing, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So. I guess under a month from now, we'll have free agency. Obviously, the draft, I believe, is the 7th and the 8th. Mm-hmm. So, it's on Thursday, Friday of this year, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, off-season wish list. What do you got? You got a guy like Jacob Chikrin. You know, he we're going to kind of keep circling this back. 24 years old. He is cost-controlled. And let's face it, he's got a lot more experience than a guy – than as uh, Scott Perunovich. So in a deal, it's it's going to be interesting to see like if they can acquire him because 
if you remember, it was reported that Arizona was asking for a first round draft pick, a top prospect and top player here for him, potentially more than that. So that could include trading somebody along the lines of Scott Prunovich, who is a top prospect that fits that bill. You could be able to also lump in a player because Perunovich is NHL ready. You could be able to just lump him in and say, here's a top player that's coming in. You guys aren't ready to compete here just as of yet. So just going to take the age here of Perunovich. But you could then be able to lump in a guy like a Balduke, like a neighbors who, there you go. He's got his playing time. He's, he's ready to be able to go then in a first round draft pick. You know, you got plenty of other players who are down in the minors that you could be able to throw in there as well. There's no way, shape, or form that I could be able to see Doug Armstrong is going to move on a guy like Joel Hover in a deal to get Chikrin. I, I I don't see that happening, especially with how versatile that Bennington's play here has been. So, you know, Chikrin here for me is is near the top here of my list. Of course, you've got Nick Letty. Just depends on how much he wants. Nick Letty helped produce the worst article in the history of St. Louis GameTime.com. <laughs> I mean, that article was, was horrific. Sorry. Half, it was half written. Had to bring it up. It's terrible. It was half written. And I, what was I, written stunk too. I, I enjoy St. Louis Game Time. Yeah. I do. I enjoy their stuff, but I don't get it. I don't get what happened. I don't get what happened there. You know, Nick Letty, he could be able to command. $5 million here next season here as well. He's going to be expensive. Another guy, big physical defenseman that you can be able to look to get, Nikita Zadorov. Calgary may not end up bringing him back. Calgary's got a lot to get figured out here at this point. Don't really know. And, of course, you know, you mentioned um, here two different guys. Who do you got? I got uh, Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim, who would both be yeah. traded – trades to make and anytime you got an opportunity to deal with chuck fletcher you do it because he's going to give you what you want for not very much yeah um he's like going to dollar general yeah i mean it's ridiculous but uh he's going to give you he's going to give you vora check for atkinson which was i guess not that bad of a trade but i yeah. mean he's going to give you braden shin for latera and, and a first round pick and, and all that so not bad but uh, on the chicken front the article that i wrote with the blockbuster trades, it was heavily criticized by Blues fans, which is fine. We all view players differently. Uh, I said Arizona gets Bull Duke, Mikula, Costin, a 2022 fourth, 2023 first, 2024 third for Chicker, which I think is probably an overpayment. And I don't think the Blues would ever give this much up. We're just throwing ideas at the wall. Like, why not? And I think people get a little bit ridiculous when they talk about um, – trade prices like people think like this comment here about the Pasternak deal I said Pasternak to St. Louis which is never going to happen by the way like we got to no. preface that that's not going to no. happen but Kairu, Bolduke, Mikula and a first round pick for Pasternak okay probably an overpayment again but you're getting a really good player uh, somebody said you're ridiculous to think giving up any of those names you put out there as Blues trade bait besides Scandella make any sense at all which I guess is fair to say I don't know, though. Uh, Chikrin doesn't improve the team enough to sacrifice giving up the names you mentioned. I think that's fair. 
I don't think the Blues would actually give that much up. But the names I mentioned, like Costin and Mikula, what are they at this point? I don't think that's the big deal. I think Bull Duke's the big deal. Even though we're ba- we're acting like Bull Duke's a future superstar because he had a ton of points in the QMJHL, which is not that good of a junior league. But I think he's going to be good. But I think yeah. we need to stop acting like he's the next McDavid. Okay? Just calm down a little bit, Blues fans. Just a little bit. A little bit. Uh, well, somebody- everybody wants to feel like you're trading, you know, on easy mode. Yeah. Here at this point. So, I I, I don't know. You, you have to give to get. But you I feel like do. eight times out of ten with these big trades, teams the team getting the big player always gives up way less than we think. Yeah, that always yeah. happens. But there's a few where it gets absurd. Uh, Seth Jones <clears throat> to give up, you know, Oakfist and and uh, first round pick. It's top five pick. That's that's tough. That's tough. Look anyway. Uh, somebody said in Pasternak, please exclamation point. The guy is a couple years away from a downturn in performance if history holds true. What history? Like, if you look at David Pasternak and you think he's anything but, like, a 40-goal scorer every year, you're an idiot. Like, look at the way he shoots the puck. Look at the way that he plays. What is the history that we're talking about here? Injuries? I think that's it. Like, yeah. what history needs to hold true for his downturn in performance? To even remotely mention training likes to Cairo, who's only going to continue to get better for years to come. But, hey, Cairo plays, like, one end of the ice and doesn't really care about back-checking what about the downturn in history there? You could mention that. I mean, I don't get that. But if we end up losing Tarasenko, we're going to need someone on the same line with Thomas to be a top-line scoring threat. Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, did he not mm-hmm. score 30 goals last season and play with Thomas mm-hmm. a ton? I just don't, I don't understand that comment. wanted to get into it real quick. I don't understand it, but whatever. I just don't see how you could look at Poshnog and think there's going to be a downturn in performance because of history. No. Like, what the hell does that even mean? That's yeah. a guy that – there's like 10 or 15 players in the league – where you look at him, you're like, that guy's different. McDavid, yeah. McKinnon, Matthews. I would be Pasternak in that situation because the way he shoots. Like, I just don't understand that comment. Um, but what can you do, you know? I enjoy people reading the articles. I don't get, I don't go too hard after people in the comment section when they read and reply and I respond. I don't want to go too hard, but I just don't understand a comment like that. But thank you for reading, I think, would be my, my thoughts. And, and as I'm talking I just saw a notification on my Twitter. Somebody liked my tweet from last night that says Chuck Fletcher, the worst GM in the NHL. So a lot of mentions for Chuck Fletcher today. Uh, shout out to the Flyers who will never be good again with him running the show. Anyway, yeah. uh, I also put on here for the wish list a fourth line center because that's going to be something to talk about. Bozak probably retiring, right? I feel like that was probably the end for him. Yeah, pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's done. And if, if so, if he's, if he's not, career. I don't think he's if, – if, if he doesn't retire, I don't – I think his time with the Blues is done. I would think so. I didn't think he would come back this season, but he ended up taking less to stay, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he had a great career. You know, he was good in Toronto for a lot of years, comes to St. Louis, wasn't the same player, but he was very effective for a couple of years. Obviously a big part of winning the cup, his line with um, with Thomas and Maroon during that time and uh, scored an overtime winner in game five of the second round this year. So yeah. shout out to him. Uh, Logan Brown and Dakota Joshua are two in-house options. I agree with a commenter of an article that I saw a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was my article or somebody else's, but um, I'm not quite sure I see the same upside in Logan Brown that a lot of people do. Like, I think he can be a solid player. I wouldn't hate having him as the fourth line center, but I'm not sure he's going to be much of what we thought he was going to be when he was a top 10 pick or whatever. So that's something I worry about. I think Josh was good for like, what, 30, 35 games a season. I don't think he can be your full-time center. I think he's a good guy to bounce around in between the AHL and the NHL 
for the entire season. And he's solid. And it depends on field. it depends on their development here too. You know, these guys could both turn into very good, effective bottom six forwards. You know, that can be able to contribute several different goals here, potentially 10 plus points. You know, not really expecting a ton, valuable penalty killers. You know, I mean, again, it doesn't bode well here for a former first round draft pick in Logan Brown. You know, we had high hopes here for him here as well. But anything more than like a bottom six here potential for both of these guys, which, you know, if you're looking for a fourth, fourth line center, fits the bill. But it's it's nothing more than that. And, and I think that those two will be great in-house options. Yeah, I'd agree. And then a couple of outhouse, out of house options. Uh, Ryan Carpenter. Don't refer to them as outhouse options. <laughs> you know, what can you do? Um, Ryan Carpenter, who was playing for Chicago, which I think is what I just said outhouse, uh, you know, Chicago. Um, 31 years old, solid, ended up in Calgary last season. Uh, he'd be solid. I mean, he's kind of your typical bottom six center in terms of what he does. And then an option that you, I, I know you like, uh, Nick Bugstad, 6'6", 215, oh, yeah. had seven goals, eight assists, 15 points last season in Minnesota. He'd be a good fit, big body, fourth line center. I think it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really enjoy Nick Bugstad. I don't like the fact, you know, you had some teams who were trying to get him to be more than what he actually is, trying to push him up the forward lines, you know, be able to play him potentially like in, in the top six. He's just not that guy. He's, he's just not, you know, he can be, he's like a couple of the guys that the blues have that, you know, if you were to call upon him to kind of mix and match in some of those different lines, but to play as a physical net front presence, great, let him do it. But in the same way of Patrick Maroon, he's, he's destined here for a bottom six line and that's okay. That's, that's okay. You just need those big, tough physical guys here still as this league keeps getting faster and faster. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to be able to rely here upon those guys. And I think a guy like a Nick Bukestad, who could also command little to no money here at this point, you know, I think he could be a, a great option for the Blues. Yeah, I would like to move a lot. Um, but I think that's going to do it for us for episode number 10 yep. of the Blue Note podcast on the Believe Network. Um, we'll be back later this week, Soon. more than likely, for episode 11. Soon with a special guest joining us for that. We'll yep. talk about the uh, Blues prospect pool, the draft, all that stuff in the offseason. We'll discuss all that in the next episode, episode 11, coming later this week. But thank you for joining us. You can follow our podcast Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at? At DangerPowers19. And that'll do it for us. Make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, follow the Twitter, like I said. Listen to the podcast, the Believe Network, the Blue Note Podcast, episode 11. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.